10. I say 10a, it's really the first part of verse 10. And I'm really just going to make three points today. And we're going to be talking about this secret wisdom that first of all is hidden by the Father, verse 6 to 7, verse 6 to 7a. I won't put the specifics. Hopefully you'll see it as we're going through it. Secret wisdom hidden by the Father, secret wisdom executed by the Son, and then secret wisdom revealed by the Spirit. And um, I'd like to just, although I've got three points, what the text does is it highlights these two different types of wisdom. These two different types of wisdom. And it's, it's the changing wisdom of the age. I say the age. The text will, re- will make reference to this age about five times. And, and unless you take time to look for it, you might not see it, but hopefully we'll highlight it as we're going through. Two types of wisdom. The, the changing wisdom of this age that's appreciated by the ungodly, that is normally... <clears throat> those who are outside of, of, of a relationship with God through Christ, um, whose end eventually is perishing, sadly. That's the first type of wisdom. Changing wisdom of this age, appreciated by the ungodly. We'll see earthly rulers a little bit later, whose end is perishing, versus a hidden wisdom that comes, if you like, from God. And, it's, and this type of wisdom. This second type of wisdom is appreciated by the, by, by, the, by the heavenly, by believers. And the text particularly, particularly says not just believers, but mature believers. Would you help me but just by repeating the title of our series, Grow Up? Would you repeat that with me? Grow Up. Grow Up. Grow Up. Grow up. <laughs> This, you started this, mic. this whole... <laughs> Praise the Lord. We love a little bit of call and response. This, this, this second type of wisdom, this hidden wisdom of God, is appreciated not just by believers, but mature believers who are in the process of growing up. You know what I'm saying? And this wisdom is revealed by the Spirit. You can't get it any other way. You know what I'm saying? And it leads to glory. That's the two types of wisdom. Wisdom of this age and the hidden wisdom of God. Now, both perspectives are going to be framed, if you like, by the cross. The cross, I mean, is central to our Christianity, is central to the scriptures. If you take a step back and you look at the Bible, you have the whole of the Old Testament and then you have the whole of the New Testament. And right in between, if you like, the two is the cross. And even like a cross, it's like the, the X, quote unquote, the cross marks the spot. It's the, it's the ultimate moment in the whole of human history, the cross. And in the cross, we see God's wisdom exemplified. <clears throat> Hopefully, this will make sense in a minute. Okay, so that's kind of where we're going. Now, an important question that needs to be asked is, how do we measure maturity? It's one thing saying, okay, well, mature believers will be able to understand and appreciate the full wisdom of God exemplified in the cross. Do we know it when we see it? And I suppose a question for us would be, how grown up are you? How grown up am I? How mature are we? 
Have you heard it said, <clears throat> you know what, I used to be a simple Bible-believing Christian like you at one point. But I've outgrown that foolish, naive perspective. You ever heard anyone say that? And have you ever felt challenged, you know what I'm saying, by the world and the, 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 the amplified voice of the, of the world that screams and shouts at your Christianity, at our belief, minimizing it to be insignificant? Does the world's wisdom intimidate you sometimes? I know it does me. Well, let's read, let's read today's text and see if we can get some help on this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, you're there. I'm going to put this for the only time I think I'm going to put it up. And I've highlighted a few parts, right, to emphasize. I wouldn't, I'd like to say my points, but I believe the points of the text. So <clears throat> verse 6, yet among the mature, and then we'll pray, yet among, notice, the who? The mature, we, this is the apostles speaking, we apostles do impart wisdom. Although notice, it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart, notice, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us. How? Through his spirit. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, so much um, for your faithful word. Thank you for faithfully preserving your word so that five, six thousand years have passed of human history, yet we have contained in the scriptures a body of work that clearly communicates who you are and in light of who you are, who we are. Father, I pray that you would enlighten our understanding and give us that wisdom, that secret wisdom, that heavenly wisdom that contradicts the, 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 the wisdom that most of the majority of the world hold to and we attempted to hold to. Lord, would you help us to that end, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now remember the context of um, the book of Corinthians, especially these first four chapters is speaking about reasons for the division that exists in the church that's in Corinth. And Paul's trying to say, if you, if you misunderstand the gospel, if you misunderstand the cross, then you are <clears throat> you're, you're setting yourself up for a fall. And you'd be like, but even though I'm a Christian, yeah, particularly because you're a Christian, you know what I'm saying, you run the risk of misunderstanding the cross and the gospel, and that now leading to drama, personally and corporately. This is the backdrop and the context of these first four chapters. And Paul's trying to say, look, the gospel is heavenly wisdom. Notice it's, it's a different type of wisdom 
yeah, versus this earthly wisdom that has fueled and has, 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 has fed the divisions that the, the Corinthian church are experiencing. And if, and, and, and if we're not careful, these same earthly, natural, fleshly, carnal, secular, ungodly perspectives will also divide us. Literally, practically. Ecclesia. And that's the danger. And the warning is <clears throat> to a Christian church, to a, a gathering of the redeemed. Redeemed in their souls, but not redeemed or renewed in the mind. I mean, you know, you can be saved and have an unrenewed mind. That's what Romans 12 tells us, doesn't it? Paul says to these Corinthians, are you not acting like mere humans? 1 Corinthians 3 says, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Speaking to believers. Could he also say something similar to us saved South Londoners, right? He could say, you're saved, but not sanctified in your thinking. Therefore, you're not sanctified in your words and in your actions. We can be saved, but notice, we can be following the course of this world, can't we? And again, you see the contrast. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we've been saved from that. It says, and you were dead, verse 1, Ephesians 2, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following, notice, the course of this world, following, ultimately, the prince of the power of the air, which is synonymous for the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Can you notice the work of a spirit? I should just say, can you notice the work of the spirit? But it's not the spirit of God. So there's the work of the spirit of God, but then there's also this work of the spirit of the devil, the spirit of the age, the spirit of the world. The spirit of the, that's at work in the, no, it's in the sons or the children of disobedience. So, so, so then that shouldn't be us. Verse 3, among whom we have to admit we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. It's, like, it's not even something that we're not familiar with. <laughs> you know, as some of us sooner rather than later, or some of us more recently than others. Amen. You know what I mean? But the thing is, if, even if you've been a believer for, like probably if you've been a believer for a short period of time, you're really aware of it. Because it was only last week or last month or last year that you was caught up in the madness. You know what I'm saying? But now you're saved. You're like, yeah, I know what you're saying, Pastor Rob. But some of us have been saved a little bit longer. We forget the pit that we were dug from. You know what I mean? And so we need reminding that we ain't no better than individuals who are outside of Christ. That's just the only difference. We're in. that They're out sadly, and we're in by nothing but God's grace, which is what Ephesians 2 will go on to mention, won't it? But I'm highlighting, just again, this distinction and the fact that we ought not to be going in that direction, but we have the propensity to. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But we've been saved, we've been cleansed, we've been washed, haven't we? And Paul will pick this up, amen, thank you Jesus. You know what I mean? We, don't, we now no longer have to face the implications of, those, of, of, of our sin. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? And, and, and this is now, you see, this is, a, this is a maturing perspective when you begin to really understand that. How many of you know, it's hard to keep up with the course of this world because sometimes it's one thing and the next time it's another. It changes sometimes literally overnight. Hashtag me too. It's like this stuff, like, Whether it's fashion. Now, you probably don't remember these days. It's like, I remember, I remember going in my stepdad's wardrobe. You know what I mean? And pull out some ties, you know, broad like my chest. And, and colorful. And, 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 and flared trousers. And platform, sh I actually had a pair of brown platform shoes in the 70s. You know what I mean? And um, you remember Earth, Wind and Fire? Them man, they used to come out with some skin tight lycra. You know what I mean? And colorful and like a rainbow. I'm saying, but how many of you know times have changed since then? You know what I'm saying? It's like hairstyles of the past <laughs> for ladies and, and for men. You know what I mean? Uh, it's funny, but some of that stuff has come back, which is crazy. Because look, 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 look at the two black guys standing there, yeah? Oh, I should say the two brown guys. Ask me why I say that afterwards. But the two brown guys, right? Um, their hair ain't out of place. You could rock that today and it's calm. But I'm just talking about the changing waves of fashion. You know what I'm saying? And... Um, it, that's not the only thing that's changed. Did, did, you, ever, you ever heard of, <laughs> do you remember, remember green bathrooms? They actually, thank you, man said they call them avocado. How, how on earth was that ever in fashion? I'm, t I'm trying to say times have changed, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy, it's, fu it's funny, you know that that's actually making a comeback. If you ever say, I don't have a picture, they got a modern day bathroom, like real modern, nice looking, as we would say nice, 21st century, 2020, nice, but with this green, and they dropped it nicely. But I don't want that in my house. I know that I don't want that in my house. You know what I mean? It's because I grew up in it. It's true. You're right. I did. Standardly. Standardly. Like... And, and it's crazy because what was the in thing yesterday is embarrassing. It's not even, it's not even, it's embarrassing today. Such is the changing tides of this age. I mean, you do well to keep up. <laughs> and people are quick to let you know when you don't. And the temptation is to get sucked, is to get sucked in. How about technology? You know, 10 years ago, what cars, were you, what, what cars were we all told to buy? Diesel. Diesel. 
diesel's this, diesel's that, diesel's cheaper. It's more expensive to buy the diesel car. But the money that you're saving, the da 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 and the ecosystem and all, we had everything that today is not true is what we were told. Am I lying? If you're old enough to, to if, you, if you're big enough to drive car and that. Now they're telling us it's about electric. Did you know often when something is kind of designed and created and put on the shelf, by the time it's put on the shelf, it's already obsolete? Yeah. I remember that back in the days of amplifiers and tuners and turntables. You know what I'm saying? Betamax, that, that died a horrible death. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it made it on the shelf once and then it, then it never returned. But, but you'd think... It, what, what, you'd think that an electric car, like, oh my gosh, you're ahead of the curve. You're not. Have, have you seen this? Yeah. They're now saying, what's the new um, fuel for, for cars now, they're saying? You heard that hyd hydrogen. And they're saying that electric cars are already virtually obsolete. Now, what do I know? I'm just telling you what I've heard in it. Um, it may or may not be, you'd be like, oh, Pastor Rob, see what you said about hydrogen. You're just as bad as the man who told us to go and buy diesel 10 years ago. <laughs> so I'm just saying. And in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, Paul talked about this contemporary um, human philosophy, albeit at a different time. This was in the first century, right? Obviously, 1 Corinthians. And particularly, particularly as it related to the hidden wisdom of God, which I'm going to argue is exemplified in the cross. That's the, the, the hidden wisdom of the ages is the cross. And if you understand that, then you have a superior knowledge that supersedes and eclipses all other types of knowledge. It doesn't mean that that other knowledge ain't important because we need to drive cars and we need to, you know what I'm saying, have a bathroom suite so you can have a shower. We need these things, but in terms of their, 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 their parity and the, the level of their importance... You can have all of that wisdom, know how to design the electric car and know how to, you know what I'm saying, um, design, you know what I'm saying, a, a, a bathroom, and etc. You know what I'm saying, where like head to toe, design, design someone's clothing, as Mike said earlier, without having to go to Dolce and Gabbana. You know what I'm saying? You can go prime Marnie. And I remember we went to a wedding one time, and Pastor E looked at my suit, and he was like, why, why, Pastor Rob? It kind of look, you know, kind of you brush up when you go to a wedding and so on. We, and we don't often wear, we don't get down like that. But when we do, he's like, boy, Pastor Rob, that suit, boy. I said, bruv. I said, you never believe, he said, what? I said, you never believe it, bruv. I said, bruv. I said, prime Marnie, bruv. <laughs> and my man turned around, classic Pastor E, he's like, the man don't make if the suit. No, the suit don't make if the man. The man make if the suit. I'd be like, amen. Come on now. Uh, and I'm like, you can, have the, you can have all of that wisdom in whatever area, category you want to name it. Just look at Ozzy in the gym. You can have all of the wisdom. Talk to me about intermittent fasting. I'll kill you with info. You know what I'm saying? And you can have all of that. But if you don't understand the cross... At a certain point, all of that other stuff is going to be completely and totally insignificant. That's the right way around. That's the right way around. And the thing is, you can hold all that other information, but if you've got the understanding and the wisdom of the cross, then you, you actually know how to apply that stuff properly 
and in a well-balanced manner. It's hot in here. Big eternal heating, Aussie, please. I, and I can literally feel it penetrating my, my scalp. So, apart from this contemporary human philosophy, whatever age you live in, Paul is saying, you know what? The cross. Now, the cross typifies all that God has done to reconcile, reconcile sinful men and women to himself. That's the, that's, that, that's, that's the work that has taken place in the cross. And that on our behalf when we couldn't do it for ourselves. And, and in the cross we see the wisdom of God and we see the power of God. Exemplified. From a non-believer's perspective, <clears throat> do you remember what Paul said? He said the Jews, the Jewish non-believers, they looked at the cross and they were like, huh, that's weak. What the cross not only is that weak, that's offensive to us because cursed is any man that hangs on a tree. We don't want nothing to do with, with your quote-unquote Messiah. Look at him. Then you had the Greeks who looked at it as just, it's just basic foolishness. Somebody dying on a cross for our sins. I'm not impressed with the man. And the cross, again, is... It's a torture stake, you know what I'm saying? But we're not impressed with your definition of sin. Like, what is that? So that was the Greek perspective. Then, that's the non-believers perspective, Jews and Greeks. Then you had the Corinthian Christians who, they were more concerned. Now, this is immature Christians, so immature Christians. They were more impressed with the messenger than they were the message. Right, we've been hearing this. Some of them said, I follow Paul, because you know what Paul is like doctrine. He's deep. And he's, he's you know what I'm saying, he's heady. Some are saying, We follow Peter because you know what, Peter Peter's consistent with Jewish tradition. He you know what I'm saying, he bigs up all that we're familiar, Abraham and Moses and the law, Peter. That's my, that's my guy. Others would say Apollos because of his oratory. He was impressive, a speaker, you know what I'm saying? Publicly powerful speaker. Others said, you know what? We follow Christ. And you could think that that was quite spiritual, but basically what they were saying is, we follow Christ. We don't need no earthly teachers. That means I don't have to come to church, you know what I'm saying? I just, me and God got a hotline between us. So I don't even need none of you, the man, the, you lot are following whoever. It was just all a mess. And in the past two weeks, we've heard Paul say the cross exemplifies power. There's power in the cross and the message of the cross. He says, not in me. He says, remember, I think it was Bertrand that shared it with us. He says, Paul says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Why are you going to be impressed with me? So it couldn't have been Paul's persuasion. It was verse 4, as we heard in chapter 1. It was the message, not in plausible words of wisdom, earthly wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, Paul says. So Paul's proved that the message of the cross is powerful. We've heard that. Today he's going to prove that the message of the cross 
is wisdom. It's wise. Verse 6, you've got it open in front of you, haven't you? <clears throat> Verse 6, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. The message of the cross contains a type of wisdom that will only be appreciated, notice, not by the immature believer. You'd be like, you know, you've got drama going on. You'd be like, okay, you know, the, the gospel's the answer to this drama. You know, yeah, the what? The gospel. How's it going to help me in my drama? <laughs> and then it's our job to try to help an individual to see through the lens of the cross everything. Everything. But Because the, the immature believer ain't trying to hear it. They can't see it. The message of the cross contains a type of wisdom that can't be appreciated by the world. Verse 6, yet among the mature, they get this wisdom. We do impart wisdom, and this is Paul speaking as an apostle and the other apostles. We do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are, notice, doomed to pass away. So in this first century context, <clears throat> um, like, who are these rulers? This, uh, this had always been a bit of a mystery to me. Well, well it's really just quite basically, it's the, the esteemed of the time, the elite of the time, whether financially or educationally. <clears throat> it, speaking of government officials, do you remember the Roman Empire were guilty of crucifying Jesus? But not just them, also the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, were also guilty of crucifying Jesus, weren't they? And we'll see this repeated again in verse 8. If they'd known better, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, it says. And, you know, nothing's changed. That's, for, that's the first century. Nothing's changing in the, in the 21st century. The rulers of that age are just as rejecting as the rulers of this age. And if we have Christians inside the church, right, the immature, if we have Christians inside the church not fully appreciating the message of the cross, why would we, why would we be surprised to see that the world outside reject the cross? But notice... The severe penalty for rejecting this powerful, this wise message is doom at the end of verse 6. Okay, so that's the first type of wisdom described. Verse 7 presents us with the second type of wisdom. And it kind of summarizes our first point. Secret wisdom hidden by the Father. Verse 7, the beginning of a uh, part of verse 7. But we impart, notice, a secret and hidden wisdom of God. There's something about this wisdom that was kept a secret, can you see? And, uh, and wisdom, it's hidden wisdom of God, but I would even go as far to say it's wisdom hidden by God. How many of you know in Genesis, have you ever heard the phrase, Novum Testamentum in Vetere Latet? It's, it's Latin, it's fancy for... The new is in the old concealed, and the old is in new revealed. In Genesis, you're like, what mystery? What hidden mystery? In Genesis, we see man in the garden and woman's sin. 
And one of the first things God does is he covers their sin. He covers their nakedness instead of executing them on the spot, which is what they deserved. And it says that he covered their, their nakedness with animal skins. And the question we ask of the text is, where did he get the animal skins from when nothing had died up to that point? You know what I'm saying? Because sin hadn't entered into the world. He must have killed that, the first sacrifice, the first the, the, the first sacrificial blood to be shed in order to cover man's sinfulness. Right there at the beginning in Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. You go forward into, into, into the book of Exodus and you see the Passover. And again, here comes another animal sacrificed in order to prevent death from coming into the house, right? At the Passover. And they take the blood of the, of the lamb and they daub it on the wooden posts of the door. And if you like, if you look at the text carefully, where it's placed, the blood would possibly drip from the top onto the floor, creating the, a, a, a semblance of a picture of the cross and made of wood at that. And it's the blood of the lamb on the wood. Can you see how this, this mystery of the cross was right there in the Old Testament, but it was hidden. It was concealed in a sense. And then you fast forward. So... I'm listening through the Bible at the moment. If you struggle to read through your Bible, I recommend it. You get like either Audible, I'm not trying to put you in debt or nothing, but you know what I'm saying? Get the Bible on audio and, and listen to it um, because we can all make an excuse that I ain't got time to read the Bible, but Bluetooth headphones, man, praise God. Again, modern technology, what a blessing. You don't even need Bluetooth headphones. You can have the wired ones still. And, um, and you, can, you can listen listen to the Bible. So I've been listening and, and I'm, I'm in numbers now, but as we went through Leviticus and I was just listening, just talking about the temple and the sacrificial system and here comes the priest and slaughtering this animal and here comes the head of the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel. One head brings 55 goats and 100 bulls and they're all being slaughtered and sacrificed and there's blood everywhere in the tabernacle. And this becomes a perpetual practice and behavior of God's people. Can you begin to see the point I'm trying to make, the picture I'm trying to paint? Animal skins and animals slaughtered in the garden, lambs slain and blood on the doorposts. And then day after day after week after week after month after year after year, the sacrifices in the tabernacle which becomes the temple. What type of sacrifices? Help me. Thank you, brother. Animal sacrifice. Replete throughout the whole of the, the Old Testament. And you'd be like, that don't sound like a secret. It doesn't, does it? So why do we miss it? You know, the whole Bible is about sacrifice. The only difference is the Old Testament is about an animal sacrifice. And the New Testament is about a human sacrifice. It's no big secret. It's right there. How could we miss it? Leviticus chapter 17. Here's the importance. Stress. I meant to have that picture up as I was talking about sacrifice. Forgive my ignorance and my lack of preparation and see with me and just meditate on that for a moment. The cross. Meditate on who it is that's hanging there. 
Meditate on the implications of God becoming a man and suffering in the manner in which he did. Not for his sins, because he didn't have any. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin. He hung there for you, and he hung there for me. You know, we could actually... We could, if, if, I was, if I was godly enough, and I was, I, was, I was wise enough, and I was able enough, I'd be able to stand here f- for the next few hours without pausing, talking about the implications of that event. but I don't have the wisdom and we don't have the time. Leviticus 17 helps us to see the the rationale. Verse 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God says, I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement but a life. And then we hear this picked up in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, that's supposed to be, um, I believe, is it verse 13? In fact, verse 9. In, in fact, according to the law of Moses, now this is Hebrews New Testament, but reflecting on the Old Testament because the whole Bible is one story. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Okay, so you can see the picture, blood everywhere. It's like God saying, this is the only thing that can purify. Somebody says, that don't make sense. You'd be like, what do you mean? You'd be like, yeah, my sins are as scarlet, but God says he's going to make them white as wool. How can red blood make white wool white? How can red blood make wool white? And it's, uh, my, always my simple response is, well, a brown cow eats green grass and produces white milk. How? I don't know. I just know that it does. The blood is that which purifies. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You see the rationale? Secret wisdom of God, hidden by God, even by God, the Father. I would argue. Our second point, wisdom, secret wisdom now executed by God the Son. You're going to see how the whole trinity is involved. And I just showed you a picture of how Jesus executed the secret wisdom of God by going to the cross. Can you begin to see why the cross is so significant? See, can it be, can it be disputed that our number one biggest problem of all time, whoever you are, old, young, black, white, male, female, rich, poor, our biggest number one problem isn't my spouse. My biggest problem ain't my singleness. My biggest problem isn't my hairline. <laughs> Can't believe how they created some next thing to to fix your hairline. They don't fix it. The glue, the, 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 have you seen the man wig? <laughs> See, as, 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 as wonderful as I would look if I had a perfect hairline like Drake. You know what I mean? It's like, 
or plastic surgery for a new nose or new bum or new tum. That's not our ultimate, that's not our ultimate need, is it? Our ultimate need is forgiveness of our sins. That's our, you know, we say it all the time. What's the heart of the human problem? It's the problem with the human heart. See, that is the glaring issue, but most miss it. You know, you begin to deal with that problem. That problem begins, that, that resolve begins to deal with all of the problems. And obviously the fundamental problem. See, this is the one issue that affects every... My sin is the one thing... Your sin is the one thing that affects everything. In the same way that, that Jesus' blood will purify everything, our sin contaminates everything. See, but people are more impressed with... You see, that's the hidden wisdom of God, you know. But people are more impressed with other types of hidden wisdom. You, wanna, like, you get on social media, start chat about Nostradamus. You know what I'm saying? Was, if you don't know, he's a 16th century writer and French mystic, famous for, pre for predicting future events. You start chat about this, social, your social media starts popping. You know what I mean? You start, like, even, like, even the Simpsons kind of get into this thing where they apparently, 16 years ago, um, predicted that Donald Trump would be the president of the United States. Have you heard of this one? You heard of um, Dean Koontz? I'm going to have to turn around because I can't, I'd have printed it on my thing. So listen to this. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness will spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments. Now, I suppose what is, you know I'm saying, amazing about this is this was in a book called The Eyes of Darkness, written on the 10th of May, or published in 1981. You put this on your Instagram, pop in. People go, whoa, come, wow! <laughs> you post a verse of scripture about Christ. It's not even not impressive. It's not even not impressive. It's embarrassing in the world's eyes. You know what I'm saying? And it's even deeper than that. Don Carson, he says, he says, why then should Christians be infatuated with paper heroes who win the passing applause of a dying world, but who from an eternal perspective are without significance? See, that which is significant, most people miss. And, you know, how many of you know this is true? This is Bible. Commitment precedes intimacy. Maybe this is a revelation for someone today. Hallelujah. This has saved your life. Save you from contracting STIs. Save, save you from, you know what I'm saying, um, un, not unprepared pregnancy. What is it? Um, unplanned. This has saved your life out here. Bible. Commitment precedes intimacy, right? But the, what does the world say? The world says the opposite. It says intimacy precedes... 
How are you going to commit to someone and you've never been intimate with them? That doesn't make no sense. Another example. This is one of my favorites. Love desires to give at the expense of self in order to benefit others. How many of you know? How many can, how many can see the cross there? But what, what is, how does the world? The world is the opposite. Lust desires to get at the expense of others in order to benefit self. That's the, that's the way the world thinks, isn't it? The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gain, or woman, if, if they gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? You see where the emphasis is? But listen to what the world says. The world says, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and poison the rest. How about that? See? Our sinfulness is the one issue that affects everything, not least of all, our eternity. Wisdom hidden by God the Father, wisdom executed by, the God, by God the Son when he was executed at the cross, if you like. Look at the, now look at the added benefit of Jesus' sacrifice. Forgiveness of sin is amazing, but that's just one thing. Notice what I looked at and thought was a typo. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed, notice, before the ages for God's glory. I thought that was a typo. He says he did it for our glory. I mean, a little, in, I think the end of verse 8, you're going to see the Lord talking about his glory. But can you see that Christ's sacrifice, can you see the extent and how far reaching it is? Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God declared before the ages for our glory. You'd expect it to say for God's glory. It's not, it's for us. Verse 8, as I mentioned earlier, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Can you see, not only did they not, only did they not understand the cross, To say they never understood the cross would be an understatement. They actually implemented the crucifixion. Notice what is stored up for us. Verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. See, this is what we need to be able to... This is what you begin to see when you begin to become mature. That is not just the work of the cross, but that which comes out of the work of the cross and the benefit that it provides for you and me. Such is the extensive nature or the work of Christ on the cross. Notice it's not just of, 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 of temporary value. It's, of eternal, it's an eternally effective work. Secret wisdom hidden by God the Father. Secret, secret wisdom executed by Christ 
on the cross when he was executed. And our last point, secret wisdom that cannot be gathered, cannot be understood or appreciated because it's what? It's revealed by the Spirit. Verse 10. These things God has revealed to us. How? Through the Spirit. You can't even hate on someone for nothing like you. Why don't you understand this? <laughs> like Mikey P, like, and the guys out preaching in, in, in Lewisham. Why don't you listen to the God? Why don't you get this? You, you know what I'm saying? You stupid, didn't you go to school? <laughs> Can't you read what it says? Don't you know your history? It's like, that's, that's a waste of time, effort, energy, and words, and breath. Because this isn't revealed, you know what I'm saying, on the basis of intellect or otherwise. This comes by the Spirit. So I would like to think, I'd be like, Lord, help me, innit? Because I've got a big mouth and I can talk a lot. But I need to be praying much more than speaking. Because it ain't my speaking fundamentally that's going to do it. It's God by his spirit. So it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. So that I need to be over here saying, boy, Lord, if I go out, Lord, if I preach, if I, if I speak about the cross... So significant, Lord, and people ain't getting it. Lord's like, yeah, calm down. How ain't, they, how ain't they getting it? They're not getting it because somehow either your spirit's not revealing it or they're not open to the spirit. Or Now you can, you can see where the effort and the energy is. So now when I go out to speak or when, when I do share or, or when, I, when, when, when others have the opportunity to be exposed to the message... My dependence is on the spirit as opposed to my ability to weave together wonderful words. Not that we shouldn't weave together wonderful words. First Peter chapter 1 says, oh sorry, excuse me, Ephesians 3. Did I put, maybe it comes next. I did the other one first. First Peter chapter 1 says, concerning this salvation that we've argued comes about through the cross. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. You know, even the prophets never really even fully understood the cross. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he, they were trying to be like, drop it like Nostradamus, when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories can you see that? They wanted to know there's something about sacrifice, there's something about the Messiah, there's something about, about the cross that's significant, but we don't fully get it. We know that the, the Messiah would suffer and there would be subsequent glories, but they never got it. But verse 12 says, It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel, the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Such is the mysterious element of the gospel. It's hidden wisdom. And then we argued, Ephesians, Ephesians 2 says, and we read it earlier, my bad, I gave you the wrong quote. There we go. 
Ephesians 3, of this gospel, this good news, Paul says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me, which was given me by the working of his power to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places as well as the earthly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now just before I invite the team to come up, Um, how do we um, respond to, to this gospel? How do, we, how do we respond? How do we respond to this good news about the cross? How does it affect our lives? Well, I think one of the ways that I suggest it affects us is our relationships. If I put that picture of Jesus, quote-unquote, hanging on the cross, you can't look at that picture and as, and as a husband feel justified in shouting and screaming at your wife. You can't look at that picture of Christ on the cross and feel justified by coming into church and seeing somebody and thinking... I'm not chatting to you, and I can't wait till you either leave or I'm in the process of coming to the conclusion that I'm going to leave because of you. You can't look at that picture of Christ, and at least you can do that. We all do it. I do it. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul. You know what I'm saying? But looking at that, I can't do it and be justified. I can't do that. I don't have time to give you more examples. I can't, I can't act in that worldly fashion. But yes, I can. And when I do that, I'm not being mature. I'm, being an, I'm still a Christian. You'd, you'd, you'd like to hope. Because you can't always be sure. Matthew 7. Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. I'm saying... And I would say, depart from me, I never knew you. God's desire is that as his kids, we, we mature. And if we will take some time to consider the cross, consider this hidden mystery, it will contribute to transforming everything, including our relationships, whatever they might look like. Father, it's, when we're in the storms, Lord, I think... It's only fair that we confess. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed, Lord. Sometimes we're not in that place where, yeah, full of faith and strength and power and hallelujah. Yeah. Lord, we know that we ought to be like that because we know the righteous are supposed to be as bold as lions. But, Lord, often I feel like a kitty cat in the midst of the difficulty and the challenges, Lord. Lord, the song sings about unbelief, and that's one of the things that paralyzes us. 
And Lord, we confess, Lord, we believe. We do, but Lord, help our unbelief. Because it would be a lie to deny that it exists. Lord, when we're facing whatever particular personal storm that we're facing, it's real to us and it's difficult. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a storm, Lord. But thank you that your promise is when we go through this, when we go through the fire, you'll be there with us. When we go through the floods, you'll be there with us. When we go through the storms, like Jesus in the boat, you'll be there with us. Father, would you inspire us? In the same way, Lord, this hidden wisdom, it takes a revelation of your spirit. Lord, we need a, re a revelation of your power because often, Lord, it's big problem, little God, instead of little problem, big God. Help our perspective. Help us, Lord, to move from immaturity to maturity. Lord, help us as your children to grow up. And Lord, apart from your help, apart from your work, we cannot do it ourselves. We confess our limitations, Lord. Yet, we want to be who you declare us to be. You said if, if you're for us, who can be against us? I heard someone say, if God is for you, who can be against you? But if God's against you, you're finished. Lord, we're on the winning side. As Fiona said, the resurrection underlines that. The resurrection confirms that when everyone was looking at Jesus hanging on the cross, blooded, bludgeoned, bruised, battered, done, beat up. That wasn't the end. The resurrection changed everything. And so, Father, help us to have a, a clear perspective of the gospel, which includes the cross, but also. And Father, thank you. It was, it, was, it, was, it was the joy that was set before Jesus that enabled him to endure the cross. Father, if we don't have a picture of the future, that hope that we have in Christ. The fact that ear has not heard and eye has not seen, neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that you have prepared for those that love you, that's us. Lord, if, if we can get a, a clear picture of the future, a healthy future, that will enable us, Lord, to embrace our cross, in, in, enable us to endure our, our, our storm in the present as we take hope for the future. Help us, Lord. Help us. It feels like you're helping us. Help us to receive that help, even in the presence of our enemies. Help us to sing. Not just here when we're together, when we've got the praise team wonderfully leading us, but Lord, when we walk out the doors yeah. on Tuesday morning, Amen. on Wednesday afternoon, Lord, at 2 o'clock in the morning this week, when for whatever reason it is, Lord, we're in the storm. And we can sing that in the presence even of our enemies. Thank you that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, showing the victory. No one can't touch us, no one can harm us, no one can hurt us. You've enabled us to be conquerors and more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Help us to take that into this week, I pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Shall we say the grace together? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest, remain, and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen. 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 If you further, if hopefully that was a great encouragement to you. If you're still struggling and you need prayer for anything, um, a few of us will be here, happy to and willing to pray as we look to the Lord, as we direct you to the Lord. Amen. 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 Have a blessed week. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.